This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep your whole home running like clockwork. From the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet, you'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. The outcome of an opioid emergency may depend on a quick response. Accidental overdose can happen anytime, even if the opioid pain medicine is prescribed. Due to COVID-19, emergency services could be slower to arrive. Get prepared. Get Naloxone, a potentially life-saving reversal agent with no prescription directly from your pharmacy. Having Naloxone available allows you to respond first, not a substitute for emergency medical care. Learn more at opioidsafetyplan.com. That's O-P-I-O-I-D safetyplan.com. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. I am traveling a little bit, we'll call it, this weekend, so my microphone is a little worse than normal. I apologize for that at the outset, uh, but hopefully you guys can uh, suffer through along with us as we enter another week, Brendan, of off-season Cubs chatter. And I'll tell you straight away, Brendan, it's been about, what, two weeks, something along those lines, since Mm -hmm. the Red Sox defeated the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. And I am exhausted from this stuff, Brendan. The uh, the rumor mill is in full swing. The uh, beat writers, the national writers, are getting their hottest of hot takes off of the griddle. And again, it's been two weeks, and I am uh, fully over it, Brendan. It's exhausting. It's tiresome. And I have had a few conversations that I really couldn't believe I was discussing, you know, certain topics. Um, so I don't know how, how this off season has treated you so far. Um, well, it sucks being on the West coast because you wake up no matter what time, whether it's 6am, 9am, whatever, but you're always behind the East coast news. So every day we're waking up, I'm expecting God knows what I'm hearing. Chris Bryant, trade rumors, J- uh, Joe Madden may not be extended. Like, on a daily basis. That's the worst part about being on, on the, the West Coast, is just dealing with the uncertainty right when you wake up. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I, I usually end up waking up to a mountain of messages from <laughs> you and Evan from CubsInsider.com. And it does take me a minute to kind of process it all. And sometimes it's uh, a little scary. You know, you just you see certain names with, with, with not a lot of context and and you know your heart kind of drops uh, a few times. So mm-hmm. yeah, I am uh, significantly over it. But I, I suppose we'll start there. I, I think for this episode, the most part is just going to be spent on uh, some of these rumors that have come up, and and you know just taking a look at where the Cubs are right now in this off season. Uh, a bit of a lull, not much action going on, but. You know, we did have, uh, I think, the GM meetings and and teams getting together with some of those agents. So a little bit of stuff kind of starting to eke out. The first of which, uh, I, I think Brendan and I could squash this one down in about 30 seconds. We're going to <laughs> indulge uh, maybe a little longer of a conversation in that just because uh, I suppose it's a little more nuanced. Um, but Buster Olney decided to, in a long history of ESPN, I think we've mentioned this before uh, with the local ESPN chapter, having some problems with the way they write their headlines. And unfortunately, Buster Only was no different, even though he is uh, obviously a bit higher up in the ESPN chain than Jesse Rogers is for the Cubs. Uh, But he, writing a piece titled Sources, 
Cubs open to moving third baseman Bryant in trade. Yeah. This is... Uh, garbage. He, it's garbage, yes. Corey. He, here, here's the deal, guys. Uh, I know that a lot of you read this, and, you know, Buster only has been in the business for a very long time. Uh, has, a, I believe, a pretty good reputation. Uh, but this is some real trash. And the reason it's trash is because of the headline. And when you dig into the article, the the main point that Buster is looking at uh, is a, a quote or two from Theo Epstein and I believe the notion that other executives have spoken to the Cubs and Chris Bryant is not off the table. And what Theo said is, We've never operated with untouchables. It sends the wrong message. Given what we're trying to accomplish, it would be virtually impossible to envision the deal that would make sense to move them. He's referring to Brian and Rizzo in that instance. I just don't believe in untouchables. Why limit yourself? So here's why this is uh, some real nonsense from Buster Olney. What Theo is saying is that if the Angels, if Billy Epler called Theo today and said, hey, we'd like to send you Mike Trout and maybe some other stuff uh, for Chris Bryant, Theo is saying that we would not immediately hang up the phone because Chris Bryant's name was involved. That does not mean the Cubs are shopping Chris Bryant, which is certainly how this article uh, gets disseminated and obviously one of the easy takes for people that don't read between the lines. But Theo has long said this. This is not the first time that he has said this about nobody being untouchable. Uh, it's basically just putting yourself and what he means by what we're trying to accomplish is the Cubs are trying to win championships. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to win championships and you're always trying to make the team better, you are a buyer in every market, in every sense of the word. It doesn't really make sense to say we absolutely will not trade this person because that's limiting yourself, as Theo says. So correct. And the other thing, and and it and it came out, I think, from Jesse Rogers a little bit and David Kaplan. David Kaplan, who I think I've made my opinion of known on this podcast before, uh, but basically looks for any reason to support some other random report that he has thrown out there that was, you know, sort of disproven. In this case, he had written earlier, I think late in the year, actually, that Chris Bryant turned down a massive extension, which, of course, when you did a little digging, you found out did not happen in September. It was uh, in one of the past off-seasons, as uh, Sadev Sharma of The Athletic was very quick to point out to David Kaplan. And Cap was, you know, just trying to drum up some old stuff and kind of make it seem like it was new, but then feign ignorance when, you know, people said it wasn't new, et cetera. So they're looking at this stuff, trying to, you know, create uh, fire out of this smoke, if you will. And the problem here is that they're going to be quick to say, well, they could trade him. It's a possibility, blah, blah, blah. Chris Bryant is not on a long-term contract. He likely, assuming he returns to his health and anywhere close to his normal and expected production, will command a very large contract in a few years when his contract is up. So is it possible that at some point the Cubs have to move him or look to move him if they cannot reach an extension or if they think an extension is going to be impossible? Sure, like it is with any other player when they get to the end of their contract. It was possible with Bryce Harper this summer. This happens. When you get to the point where the contract is out, they're not on arbitration anymore. They're not cheap. If you can't keep them and you know you can't keep them, sometimes you got to get something for them. But this is a few years in the future. And the notion, Brendan, and I'll throw it to you here because I'm sure you're going to be a lot shorter and more concise with shooting this down than I am. (laughs) The, The problem is, is that the notion, ladies and gentlemen, that Not only would the Cubs trade Chris Bryant in the middle of their biggest competitive window, probably in organizational history, uh, someone who won an MVP two years ago, but the notion that they would do it after he was injured, and even if they were looking to trade him, his trade value is as low as it could possibly be when two years ago it would have been higher than basically anybody in the game of baseball, 
is really, really stupid. That's really stupid. And you can say a lot of things about Theo Epstein in this front office, but really, really stupid, Brendan, is not one way I would describe them. So again, are they hanging up the phone on people if they ask about Chris Bryant? Probably not. But that in no way, shape, or form should be contorted or molded into the Cubs are shopping Chris Bryant. Could they trade him this offseason? Get out of here. Come on, Buster. That's, yeah. that's, that's terrible. I mean, it's ridiculous, too. If you look at the quote from which only uh, used to generate his entire article, it was as general and as poaching, I guess, if you will, as you can get. Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in that context did Theo suggest, hey, we're listening to Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. Of course not. Of course he would not say that. Unfortunately, that's what Olney took, and he ran with it, and he got clicks. He got news. ESPN got what it wanted because it's garbage. And this is this has happened several times now with these headlines, the majority coming from Jesse Rogers, I, th- I think our, our opinion on on how some of the, these things have been handled are well known, and it's com- it's completely unacceptable too. And so, within probably I would guess sixteen hours of Olney's, not even probably even within twelve hours of Olney publishing that garbage post, Rizzo and Theo both commented on this, and yes, Anthony Rizzo commented on it. Uh, so he went to Twitter. And I'm going to read the tweet, quote, sources, LOL, why don't people just own up instead of writing article for clicks? It's football season. Take a break and chill, end quote. So that was phenomenal. And then probably within that same hour, Theo Epstein said, quote, I answered a general question about whether we have untouchables. Like most every other organization, we will listen to anything, but that's just an operating philosophy. We are lucky to have some impact players, and we are looking to add to them, not subtract, end quote. So if you're reading ESPN, and I got, you know, there's some other group messages is from people back in Chicago who follow the Cubs, but not to the extent that you and I follow the Cubs, Corey. This news gets to them, and they, of course, like send it through the group message and, hey, look, the Cubs might trade Chris Bryant. And it generates discussion. It's dumb discussion. It's stupid discussion. Chris Bryant will be a Cub. He's under contract for the next three seasons. The Cubs have a winning window upwards to four seasons. It's not going to happen, Corey. And the fact that with combining this with the Madden talk and the coaching staff and all this other stuff going on, I feel like I'm in a twilight zone. We're talking about trading Chris Bryant, Joe Madden being fired, all within two years of winning a World Series. This is this is nonsense. I don't know what is going on here. But just to wrap up my point on, on Chris Bryant, like you're saying, when you said why on earth would the Cubs trade Chris Bryant after a down year resulting from a chronic shoulder injury, that makes no sense. And if we were to look back on the years, years, seven years now, of Theo Epstein talking about his core principles, the word untouchable has come up consistently, saying we have no untouchables. Even in 2015, Theo said, yeah, we may have to trade from this young core. That's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of people. But back then, only and several other writers didn't interpret that as saying, hey, Chris Bryant's on the block. Look out. No, that never happened. So it, it, it's it's feeding on nonsense, right. and that's that's where it was. And to be honest, that's that is unacceptable. And I really I like only, I respect only. Growing up watching baseball, only was the guy. It was only in Ken Rosenthal, and it still is to some degree. I'm shocked he did that. And to be, <laughs> I lost a lot of respect. I'm kind of repulsed by it, and it's unfortunate. But that's where I am. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of what at the outset when I said I was kind of exhausted by this. I mean, that's kind of what I meant. It, it is really tiresome that they do this. And this is what we've mentioned with Jesse Rogers before, where they they feign sort of like maybe not ignorance, but like a misunderstanding when they take advantage of uh 
ambiguous statements. hundred percent. And they, and and they, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. Right. And that's the biggest problem is that then they turn around and go, well, I didn't write the headline. And if you read the article, it doesn't necessarily say that they're directly shopping him, but it's just sort of asking the question. And it's like, that's all fair and good, but the headline is the headline. You know that's what people are going to see, and you don't do anything to stop people from taking it way out of context and way out of control. And again, these writers know what they're doing. So that's that's the problem that I really have with it. And it, it, it's getting really, really old. And I think that there's a reason you know, that we constantly talk about places like The Athletic, or obviously, you know, Brendan and I are both a part of CubsInsider.com. Uh, Bleacher Nation is another good example. You know, we even we, Carrie Musket over right. two decades. Unfortunately, she won't be back with MLB.com, but she was the epitome, the epitome of no BS to the point. I'm going to cover this team. I'm going to have no angles. I'm going to be straightforward. That's unfortunately not where we are with ESPN right now. Right. And, and so, you know, those sources that I was just mentioning, Carrie, uh, another one, you know they're they're not gonna they're not gonna mislead you like that. They're not deliberately trying to mislead you to the point that these things are getting so blown out of proportion, and it's just getting really old reading these guys. You know, yeah. do this knowing what they're doing, and then being like, "Well, I didn't say that." You know, you're reading too much into it, and it's like, "Well, that's because you guys write these headlines that are so out of control," and then you just double down on it when people ask you about it. You just dig and dig and dig a deeper hole. So can I can I, can I give one more example before we, uh, we move on here too? Because it's on my mind and it's on my mind because Patrick Mooney just wrote about it uh, two days ago. But it reminds me of the whole U Darvish saga. Right. And this is before A Rod came out and, and gave all those statements. This is back in May, and it's the same concept. So Jesse Rogers took a quote from you darvish again remember the language barrier here even though you darvish speaks english exceptionally well regardless you darvish said that around the fifth inning he kind of lost it what did rogers do he took that he extrapolated way too much he deemed darvish as mentally inadequate that he had a mental problem unacceptable and from there on we have articles from ranging from the LA Times, et cetera, et cetera, saying you Darvish is mentally fragile. He didn't want to upset the fans, blah, 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 blah. So I want to contrast that with what The Athletic wrote about a few days ago, saying you Darvish cares a lot. And the context that Mooney wrote this in was encouraging, showing just how much passion you Darvish has. Whereas months ago, when you Darvish said, hey, I care a lot, what happened? Those outlets ran with that as being you Darvish is scared of the Dodger fans, is scared of failing. And that's 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 what I'm saying here is when you take these quotes that are very ambiguous, you take them out of context, it does real damage, guys. And unfortunately, specifically for you Darvish in particular, that's not good. And that is unacceptable and he handles that very well. But that's kind of where I am with that. I'm, I'm, I'm done with all these garbage headlines. It's nonstop. And it, it's coming from ESPN. No, really, very rarely do you hear stuff not from ESPN underneath this same nonsense context. So, yeah, right. Corey, that, that's where I am. It's, it's, I can talk about this for hours, but I'm not going to. Yeah, and uh, I will echo, you know, just to sort of wrap up that particular portion of the conversation, I will echo the sentiment of basically every other Cubs outlet except for ESPN in saying Chris Bryant is not going to be traded uh, in this offseason. Can I say that will never happen as he gets closer to free agency? I still would doubt it, but no, I, I can't say that for sure. But the notion that he would be traded with this much control in this offseason, while he's coming off of a down year and his value is at the lowest, is absolutely not going to happen. You guys know where to find me if that's proven wrong, uh, but I will promise you that that is not going to happen uh, before the Cubs take the field in 2019. You can take that uh, to the bank or wherever you'd like. It's not going to happen. So mm-hmm. moving on, uh, it's, cra- it's crazy, Brendan, that that's even a conversation that we have to have. But when this stuff gets out of control, 
it, it's it, it's something I, I know there are a lot of you who certainly as soon as you read it you were like get out of here like that's not happening I'm done with this <laughs> but it just gets so out of control that you know it, it it is worth pausing for a second and and breaking down like okay just for clarity like in case you're only reading this in one place or whatever like let's clear this up this is not happening um yeah so Another thing that has happened since we last spoke to you, uh, the Cubs have announced and, and decided that they will not be extending Joe Madden prior to the 29-19 season beginning. Uh, I have some sentiments on that, but I am going to kick it over to the one of us, Brendan, that has a Joe Madden jersey. And who I assume uh, has a boiling hot take uh, on this particular situation uh, ready to go for us. Well, I I understand what Theo in the front office is doing here. And to a degree, I can get behind the idea of not extending Madden. However, I do, in a completely other different perspective, disagree with what they're doing. Here's why. Joe Madden's uncertainty has a trickle-down effect to the other coaches, and we're already seeing it with Jim Hickey potentially not coming back because he wants, Jim Hickey wants, security as a job. It makes sense, right? So if you're trying to appeal the coaches from outside the organization or even within and trying to create this sense of continuity, which is the exact word Theo used a month ago in his end-of-the-season press conference, I don't see how that promotes continuity. And once again, for next season, we may be with a new hitting coach and a new pitching coach. So I'm just going to tie the report in here as well, but Jesse Rogers and, and other Chicago baseball writers have suggested that Jim Hickey is not going to be back for 2019. And even Jed Hoyer at the GM meeting said they're still waiting to finalize the coaching staff. And he himself admitted, yeah, it's really late for us to do this. So all signs point towards Jim Hickey, at least seriously considering not coming back. And under my perspective, that's directly related to Joe Madden's uncertainty. And Jim Hickey is well respected around the league. And I would be shocked if he could not land a job elsewhere for more than one season. So he could probably go out, get a multi-year contract with some security, and be better off. And if you're a Jim Hickey, like, yeah, I'm definitely going to consider that, right? You want certainty in this profession. Being in Major League Baseball is very difficult to sustain any any type of consistency. And so I understand that. That's why... Can I jump in there, Brendan? Yeah, of course. Go ahead. I'll offer... An, an opinion on the on the Madden situation in sure. a moment, but I'm not positive that I'm with you that these rumblings about Jim Hickey are necessarily from that perspective. I think it's entirely possible that this front office was not necessarily thrilled with uh, the work that he did, and as we saw with Chili Davis, perhaps they're just kind of trying to reset the off season of last year with all the coaching changes and. I did listen to a podcast uh, with Jesse Rogers, um, who, since we, <laughs> I, I do think it's worth pointing out that we uh, have now simultaneously said that we don't like him, but now we're, we're sourcing him. We don't like the way that they write headlines at ESPN, and sometimes Jesse takes things out of control, but he's obviously in touch with the organization. He does have accurate sources. So it, we, the, the beginning conversation was not to like throw Jesse Rogers out completely. Just some of the things he chooses to do we're not the biggest fans of. Interpretation so, is different from reporting, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, just, just clarifying that. But he did say uh, that he got the sense, that this is, that he was on, I think, ESPN 1000, maybe with Waddle and Sylvie. But he was saying that he got the sense that the front office felt that Chili Davis did his job in that they, you know, they knew his philosophy. He came over. They tried to do it, and it just didn't work. It did not translate to these players. It did not create the production that they were looking for. But he thought it was possible that it was not the same sentiment with Jim Hickey, that they felt the, the results were not necessarily what they were expecting and that maybe they were just kind of looking to reset this whole thing. So I don't necessarily know which is true, but I don't know that I'm 100% with you that 
Jim Hickey is the one that may be sort of stirring this all up because he's worried about his job stability. I think it's possible the front office wasn't necessarily thrilled with what was going on. I do think that's possible. I do think it's possible that they aren't thrilled with Hickey. At the same time, though, I feel as if they if they weren't thrilled with Hickey, he would have been fired by now, almost around the same deadline or timeline as they did with Chili Davis. So that that that's why I'm hinting at, hey, Jim Hickey and Joe Madden are very closely knit. They've been together with, with Tampa Bay for almost eight years prior to the Cubs. That wouldn't surprise me if that's the case here. So that that's why I'm throwing it out. And regardless, Corey... Let's say that Jim Hickey does not come back. Now, if you're trying to get a top-tier pitching coach, someone who's well-respected around the league from outside the organization, that's dif- that's a very difficult sell. To say, hey, come on over to Wrigley, but you know what? After this year, your manager may not, may not be coming back. That's that's a tough sell. Am I wrong? No, and and that's that's basically where I think I am with this Madden thing in, in the whole. I I don't have a problem with them not extending him that it it's also you know somewhat a standard operating procedure this is not the first time we've seen something like this um it is not necessarily crazy for a manager to you know for them not to deal with this in the off season and to kind of wait and see how things go i think the dodgers were just talking to dave roberts there was rumors he was going to sign a four-year extension and I think he, they only picked him up for 2019. So it's it's kind of a similar deal. And, you know, those are two managers who are, you know, have had the most success of anybody in the National League right. uh, since 2015. So, you know, that's just sort of how it goes. I just, I just feel as if in this particular point in the Cubs' win window with especially 2019 being a critical year developmentally for a lot of young guys mm-hmm. like Almora, Hap, Schwarber, Contreras, et cetera, this is like to me kind of a risk because – I want the best coaching staff possible. I want certainty. I don't want these guys to have to deal with this you know, right. nonsense of, hey, Joe Madden may not be coming back. So I, I want a sense that everyone from top to bottom, from Theo to Madden to the hitting coach to everyone else down, a sense of being on the same page. And so that's my concern is that, hey, if you don't give Madden an extension, one, you're not going to get the best of the best coaches even though they already got Anthony Iaposi, but just from a pitching perspective as well, with a lot of young guys coming up next year who finally were drafted by Theo and signed in the international market by Theo just a few years ago, they're finally going to be coming up. I, I just I don't want this to be like this. This seems to be avoidable in 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 my in my idea. I guess if you want to create a sense of continuity, go for it. Try to extend them. And maybe they did. Maybe they did do his, you know, the the due diligence of trying to get him extended. But regardless, if you extend Madden, I think it creates a sense of continuity. I keep saying that word. And if the results don't show after 2019, eat it. Eat the money. Eat the the, the 15 million, whatever it is, and fire him, and then start over. But I just that's that's where I'm at. And I know this particular take is not that hot for me, if I'm being honest, because I totally get the idea of not extending him. I'm just kind of venting my concerns with this year being particularly important from a developmental point of view, as well as, hey, there's three or four years left in this win window, according to Theo. I don't want to waste anymore. And if we can avoid that, I'm open to avoiding that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think always continuity is good. And I think when this came up, uh, maybe the first time, you know, when there were those rumblings, maybe around, uh, I can't remember if it was either before or after the, the wild card game with the Rockies where, you know, it was, is Madden safe? And those were uh, rumors. That was another David Kaplan rumor that uh, certainly ended up being true, right? Uh, yeah, so that, that one, I think uh, Kaplan said there's a better than 50% chance that Madden gets fired. If um, they lost that game. Which right. that didn't happen. They <laughs> lost that game and Joe Madden still has a job. But yeah. uh, anyway, uh I do. I do. I think we talked about this at the time that you know, con- like you said, continuity is always good, and you know, you you do like to avoid those. You know, again, say the Cubs come out of the gate in April, uh, slow. You know, close to five hundred, maybe even under five hundred for a week, something like that. You know, it's going to kick up, right? We're going to get 
Yeah. All sorts of talk about Joe Madden. I would imagine, you know, every time they lose, you know, hey, Joe, how are you feeling about your job? You know, blah, blah, blah. So that's not necessarily good. But, I, you know, again, I, I do understand where Theo is coming from. Um, and I, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, I think Joe Madden's agent, Alan Nero, said that they had a, a really good conversation with Theo about it. That everybody is, you know, to a degree on the same page, uh, and that, you know, it is not some hostile relationship. It, it's it's a good, continuing, healthy discussion, and that things are, uh, you know, fine there with that relationship. So, yeah, it's it's a tricky spot, and I mean, you know, this is sort of what comes with a team that obviously has extremely elevated expectations now. Um, you know, not reaching those heights the last two years. It, it does sort of uh, put a bit of pressure on basically every decision that Theo and the front office are making. So I, I understand it to a degree. Um, I will also be very annoyed with, you know, the, the constant scrutiny and discussion if things, you know, ultimately don't start out well or don't go well. And you know, I'm not, I'm not really of the mind that uh, Joe shouldn't be the manager of this team. So, you know, I think that's that's also why you and I are not necessarily uh, thrilled with no extension, you know, but maybe understand it, but still are, are not necessarily thrilled just because, you know, I disagree with Joe, uh, you know, maybe all the time, I guess, with, with certain little things. Uh, but I, you know, certainly am not to the point where, uh, I don't want him to be the manager or I envision somebody else being the manager, uh, which is actually a decent point of transition because we did get some, I don't know if they were reports, but just some discussions, you know, as the, as the uh, you know, these, we're not at the actual winter meetings, but there are a lot of different meetings that take place during the off season and in the winter. And we we got some reporting that uh, there are a lot of rival executives, I believe is the quote uh, used in the athletic piece about this, that believe that David Ross is a a very strong candidate to be the Cubs' next manager whenever that time uh, comes to be when the Cubs are looking for their next manager. And we also got a simultaneous report uh, that the Cubs would like David Ross to be around more, to increase his role uh, with the front office. I believe he's he's still listed as a special assistant uh, to the president or GM, one of those two things. Um, and so, you know, those two ports, reports together, uh, not necessarily identical, but, you know, I think it, it does sort of bring up a discussion of, David Ross and and what his role may be in this organization and what we think the potential is for that relationship. So I, I suppose I'll throw it to you, Brendan. Um, what do you think, not necessarily just about him you know, being a manager down the road, uh, but the Cubs' apparent interest in David Ross kind of stepping up and, and filling maybe a bigger role in that front office? Yeah. Uh, speaking of continuity, though, Guys, this holiday season, how about giving your wife or girlfriend something totally different? Something romantic that celebrates the unique connection between you and her. I'm talking about a luxury gift service called Enclosed, E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D, that delivers designer lingerie to your lady month after month. Enclosed is like a flower of the month or a beer of the month, but instead of flowers, she gets surprised with ultra high-end lingerie, and this is seriously high-end stuff, the kind of quality that will really impress your lady. Enclosed was designed specifically to help you guys find gifts for your wives or girlfriends. Enclosed is all about helping you make her happy, and Enclosed is effortless for you. Once you're a member, every month, Enclosed sends your wife or girlfriend a custom curated lingerie gift selected just for your lady. And they back the gift up with a 100% size guarantee, so you never have to worry about fit. Right now, you can join more than 30,000 couples that love Enclosed. And I'll give you a little gift. Right now, you can get $20 off your Enclosed gift. Just go to EnclosedLingerie.com. Again, enclosed is E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D, 
lingerie.com. Enter the promo code CUBSRELATED at checkout to get $20 off any enclosed gift. Why not give your wife something that really reflects and deepens the connection between the two of you? Something that would never that you would never give your mother. That's enclosedlingerie.com with promo code CUBSRELATED for $20 off the best gift ever. Corey, with David Ross coming back around the team, the first idea that comes to mind is, hey, Wilson Contreras, Victor Caratini's defense, particularly their framing, was rated in the lowest tier of Major League Baseball last year. And that was kind of irritating. I know a lot of you on Twitter as well pointed out that, hey, this is something that needs to be addressed, especially when guys like Lester and Hendricks work so much on finesse on the edges. That's kind of the idea that I'm getting. If you bring back David Ross, maybe, hopefully, you can try to promote some of this defensive uh, weaknesses that we saw from behind the dish last year. But ultimately, I think it is about setting up a... I guess, a palette of potential manager replacements if they do decide to go elsewhere um, and move on from Joe Madden. And one name that I think is kind of under the radar, but he's on the coaching staff right now is Will Venable. And Will Venable is a very young potential manager replacement for not only the Cubs, but a lot of different teams, I would imagine, in the next five years. And Venable played for the Padres for a while. He's still in his 30s. He's I think he's almost, I think he might be younger than John Lackey even. Uh, Regardless though, if you combine a lot of young promising coaching candidates on your team, you give yourself a chance to just promote them later on. And we're seeing, of course, with Alex Cora and Aaron Boone that manager experience does not necessarily matter. But I think what does matter is if you can kind of grow these guys under the tutelage of Madden. And again, if he doesn't come back after 2019, then yeah, you look at someone like a Will Venable, or we even heard reports that maybe the Cubs may consider bringing back Eric Hinsky, who is now kind of a free agent. Um, and you look at someone like David Ross, of course, David Ross. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea. I don't know if I'm buying the notion that, hey, we're going to groom you to replace Madden immediately, but I buy the idea of, hey, let's keep this guy around so we can keep our options open, not just in 2019, but uh, uh, beyond that, 2020, 2021, and so yeah, I think I'm, I'm mostly in agreement with you there. I think, you know, enough people have spoken so highly of David Ross over the years. And obviously the kind of story and just the way that that whole situation developed uh, while he was, you know, with the Cubs finishing his playing career, I, you know, that doesn't happen by accident. And you don't have so many people falling in love with and kind of buying into this uh, story with a guy like that and how good of a teammate he is, how good of a um, a mentor he is. You know, for guys like Rizzo, we saw how close their relationship was. You know, that stuff doesn't happen by accident. It's not, you know, yeah. it's, it's tough for that to be made up or, or stuff like that. You know, when you see such strong evidence that a player has that kind of an effect on not only the other players around him but the front office and, of course, the fans – there, there, there's something to it, right? And I, I think that, again, you can see in the various interviews he does and even just those little snippets. You know, I think back to uh, Rizzo talking to him in that little clip in the dugout in Game 7 of the World Series where Rizzo says he's so emotional and Ross is, you know, doing his best uh, to, you know, try to calm him down. Though I'm not... I'm not sure how saying uh, it's only going to get worse, buddy, is... Uh, <laughs> That's something that I would say. I yeah, like. <laughs> is, is not necessarily calming him down. But, you know, you see how that relationship worked. Obviously, the, the, the many years of uh, evidence and stories of how he worked with John Lester and how the two found such a successful way to play off of each other's personalities and make that relationship work uh, with such great success on the mound and behind the plate, obviously... You know, there, there, there's really something to that. So I, I think that he's obviously someone you want sticking around the organization. He's obviously had a very positive impact. Um, you know, as far as where that goes in the future, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I think that the Cubs are right, and I think they're they're on the right path to kind of saying, 
you know, we'd kind of like you to be doing more. You know, we like what you bring to the table and, you know, we'd like you to uh, not only for our benefit, you know, come and, and, and do some more and get, and get more involved, but also for your benefit, you know. And I think as far as really anything goes, be it manager, bench coach, whatever, um, I w- was not a fan of the Yankees hiring Aaron Boone. I didn't really watch them that much, so I can't necessarily say uh, whether that – I mean, obviously they were a very good team, but I, I couldn't tell you if I liked the way he managed or not. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I will say there were some reports – I follow up just on some of the local media outside of Chicago, but there were some reports in the, the DS that Boone was just getting slammed on bad decisions. So it sounds as if it mm-hmm. wasn't like all rosy out there in New York. Right. And well, and it never is. So it's hard, it's hard to say. Um, but I am not really a fan of the no experience thing. I did not like that they brought him straight from the booth uh, because I don't think that the MLB and especially a team that is in the middle of a large competitive window, the Yankees and, and Cubs, you know, kind of parallel not exactly but similarly in in that regard you know you were bringing Aaron Boone into a team that had just made the playoffs had just uh want to you know come very close to going to the World Series and so obviously there's really no time for on-the-job training or learning as you go and you know there's not necessarily an easy way to get all that experience obviously managing in the minors or being part of a major league coaching staff you get some of that experience but that doesn't necessarily prepare you for a hundred percent it all being on your shoulders you know you having to make uh bullpen decisions in the middle of game seven of the playoffs and stuff like that's you know sort of stuff you you just have to learn uh you know as much as you can leading up to that point uh, but I just didn't like the notion of someone with you know no coaching experience coming from the booth at ESPN um, and just sort of you know here you go. It just I, I think that yeah, if you want to do that, I think you have to do that. You know, kind of when the Cubs hired Rick Renteria, right? You, you kind of have to get them in there when the team is not good and there's no way that the manager is going to prevent a team from making the playoffs or, you know, winning the World Series, whatever those goals are. So that's kind of my thinking on that. If they, if they want Ross to uh, eventually supplant Madden, that's an okay concept for me. But then I would very much agree with, you know, what they're saying this offseason. Um, you know, in I, I would, you know, get him as involved as possible because I just I, – I don't think that there is – a limit on how much experience, uh, you know, be it in the front office, but preferably in, in coaching. I don't think that there's a limit on that to how much is good to get before you're given a job like that. So I think I, everything around David Ross seems to suggest he'd be a very good candidate uh, for that. Like a lot of these other guys that, uh, you know, these young former players that get hired. I, I, I think there was a, a good tweet that went around a while ago that you can now make an entire uh, starting lineup in the uh, MVP 2005 yeah, game that. of With just Rocco Baldelli right of just yeah. managers who are <laughs> you know in there now guys like Dave Roberts etc so I, I think that you know he has a lot of those signs that that you can perceive from the outside and certainly we read that they're obviously tangible you know for people that know him and, and work with him um, but again if that's a direction that they're hoping to go or thinking about going I would you know really be trying to amp up that experience level because I, I, I just don't think um, at least in the immediate future I just don't think the Cubs are going to be in a position to to turn the reins over to someone uh, who, who doesn't have any experience in that regard and just sort of hope that you know nothing on the job gets crazy I, I just don't I, I just don't really think that's a good idea um, but I, I, I you know, I, I think David Ross is a good guy to have in the organization. I think, you know, he, he's been with uh, a few organizations in his career. And I think given everything that we know about the situation, I'm happy that, you know, the Cubs are the one that he is stuck with and, and the one that he seems to have uh, some longer term, yeah, some longer term potential with because, I you know, it seems like he's a very good 
candidate for this stuff, uh, you know, again, be it a future manager, future bench coach, a future front office executive, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever his direction seems to be, I think he's a good candidate for it. I'm just going to slip this in there. I really don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to expand on this very much because I, it shouldn't really even be talked about, but it did come up at some points and it comes up because I think it's something that he desires. Joe Girardi is a terrible manager, terrible. And yeah. any thought anybody has of him ever managing the Chicago Cubs, don't do it. All right, that's so, that, that's all I'm going to say. He was he was terrible in New York. I don't care if he wants to work for the Chicago Cubs. So do I. I'd love to be the, the manager of the Chicago Cubs. All right, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, so no hard pass, full stop, never. And the Cubs have an idea of what they want from their manager. If we Look at some of the comparisons between Rick Retoria and Joe Madden. There's a lot of similarities. I mean, both are bilingual. Both have the philosophy of having the guys kind of police themselves in that clubhouse. Both are open to new ideas. Both try to promote an environment where failing is not bad. There's a lot of similarities. And the reason I bring that up is because, again, back to the theme of the day is continuity. And I would be surprised if the Cubs, if they do move on from Joe Madden, take a complete 180 and go to someone like Joe Girardi. But again, I'm not going to talk about Joe Girardi. I want to keep this 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 thought process of, hey, where do the Cubs go years from now? And let's say they move on from Joe Madden. I don't expect him to take a 180. And I was reading even on CubsInsider.com some of the comments on one of Evan's recent posts about Joe Madden not being extended. And you can see a lot of guys were like, yeah, like uh, that's probably because Joe Madden is too careless or he doesn't care that much. And I know that Theo mentioned a lack of urgency and I get it. And so when Evan then wrote again that the David Ross post that came up once again saying, hey, David Ross, I don't know about him because it's too cute. The whole Grandpa Rossi stuff, it seems like it's just not as as uh, focused as an example of what the Brewers were able to do, just focusing on baseball alone. And I disagree with that. I disagree with the fact on, hey, these guys need to be 100% focused on win, 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 win. And I, and I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, people don't realize, like David Ross, he, he got in people's faces. If you read his book, The Teammate, he got in Rizzo's face like multiple times in probably a more heated way. Well, and doesn't and, he always talk about that his relationship with John is the opposite of what people would think it is? That, yeah, I think that so. Ross I, I is the one what, that yells that at him to do certain yeah. things? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they gave an example of some star in 2016 in Atlanta, I believe it was, maybe 2015, where they got into like a huge argument. But that's that's kind of what I'm saying here is, and I think we can, we can incorporate this in the whole Madden argument, but when you have someone like Madden at the head and you have players like david ross come in like john lackey come in and they provide that sense of urgency and they provide that sense of accountability that's when i think someone like a joe madden succeeds and i think if we look in 2018 outside of john lester and maybe rizzo to a degree even though ross got in his face at times i don't think there was that sense of a veteran presence and i think that's that's why People look and try to acquire veteran presences just for the police thing, right? And again, I don't, I, I don't know if this is making complete sense here, but just to summarize my thoughts here, I think David Ross and his future with the Cubs, of course, would be fantastic. And to some degree, I think that's going to continue the the paradigm of managing that the Cubs front office wants to see beyond Joe Madden. You take some of the key traits that Joe Madden incorporated and you extend them. I think I think uh, David Ross would be a welcome addition to that. I also think, again, someone like Will Venable or someone like Eric Hinsky would be good candidates as well. And I think if the Cubs do decide to move on from Joe Madden, then the philosophy should somewhat stay the same, maybe just kind of try to find some some weaknesses in Joe Madden to fill that with a new managerial c- candidate. But overall, that's where I'm at. And I think if you're going to hire Joe Madden, if you're going to hire David Ross, you're, you're going to get a lot of the same traits you got with Joe Madden. And I, I think that's a good thing. So I, I yeah, I think that's, uh, I think we're, we're pretty much in agreement there. Um, 
One thing that did happen this week as well is we got some of these awards listed out. And, you know, look, they are uh, not really the best judge of really anything, Brendan. They're still fun Uh, to talk about. Yeah, kind of similar to the All-Star Game in a sense. Uh, But they are the awards that are given out. And I think to a lot of the players, they are rather important and, you know, kind of signify a, a significant accomplishment in their career. Uh, you know, and it, it, it's, it's kind of a way to commemorate and, and certify that, if you will. Uh, we did get the Gold Glove Awards, and our captain, Tony, our captain, our uh, clickbait shooting down, <laughs> buster-only, uh, sub-tweeting captain, it. Anthony Rizzo, uh, winning his second Gold Glove, of course, his first Gold Glove win coming in 2016, the year that the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Yep, they won the World Series yesterday, yep. Javi Baez losing to DJ LeMahieu. Not really what I was expecting. Uh, I think if you looked at you know some of the deeper metrics, I want to say that that Wong of the Cardinals was actually the, the higher rated of the three. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. Um, hmm, but Le, LeMahieu ends up winning. So, uh, you know... Okay, on that. Uh, I just, this notion that it's so, firstly, that it's so impossible for Javi to even get nominated. Like, we were all thrilled when he got nominated because they're so weird about the qualifications. You know, you have to play a certain number of games at one position and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, we all watch Javi doing what he's doing, and it's it's ridiculous that that's what makes a difference. You know, if he plays half his games at shortstop and second base, he can't win an award at either position or, you know, for like some sort of utility position. Um, but that is what it is. So Javi loses uh, to DJ LeMayhew and Jason Hayward in Brendan. I got to be honest with you. Uh, I don't watch every Atlanta Braves game, uh, but Nick Markakis winning the gold glove in right field over Jason Hayward. Uh, and one of the, I think, main arguments I saw from people uh, is that Marcakis does not make errors, and he played, you know, basically the whole season, which obviously Hayward was injured and did not play the whole season. Um, yeah, that, that, that's yeah. one of those decisions where people turn around and go, okay, why does anybody care <laughs> about the gold glove anymore? Um, yeah. By the way, you are correct. Uh, Colton Wong did lead over DJ Mayu in, in UZR, and UZR 150, right. so you are right about that. So and and that was not a way to uh, at all say anything positive about Colton no, Wong. I still think you guys know yes. me better than to think that I would do that. But I was just sort of pointing out the oddity that not only does Javi lose, but even if you were going by the deeper metrics, he didn't lose to the person that was the best. So not really sure what those votes are based on. So you ready for this? You're going to laugh when you read this. Okay. Uh, Nick Markakis, he won the gold glove, right? He had a UZR of 1.4, a UZR per 150, which is like a scaled way of saying, hey, 150 chances, how good are you? So a score of 15 is usually like, hey, you're going to get a gold glove around 5 to 10 is you have a shot. Markakis was 1.1, Corey. Hayward was 8. Yeah. So... What? It, it, what like happened? I said, it's just he he didn't play the full season, and I think I, I don't know if Markakis had a you know a fielding percentage of one thousand, but I think it was you know maybe like zero errors or only a couple errors, something. If like you look that. at his defensive score too, uh, he cost his team seven runs defensively, according to FanGraphs. So a different way of evaluating, yeah. but nevertheless, it's uh, it, it's yeah. just a little ridiculous. And little you know they ridiculous. they kind of play themselves in a sense. Rawlings does where. You know, there's a reason you guys keep giving this award to Jason Hayward. I think he's won it five times. And, like, there's a reason you guys keep doing that. Not sure what was, you know, because he played 40 games less. All of a sudden, he's not still the best right fielder that you guys have consistently pointed out. Sure. Um, Then we had the Silver Sluggers, and Javi does win that. So uh, he does win the second base Silver Slugger Award for the National League. So that's nice. And, you know, again, um, it's, you know, not the be-all, end-all. I I think Javi has won uh, a couple of awards in his career 
that are probably more important to him than that, uh, those probably being the co-NLCS MVP award in 2016, and he is also a World Series champion uh, yes, also in 2016 Cubs, yes. right, with the Chicago Cubs. Yes. And so, but, you know, it's it's still nice to see these guys recognized. And, you know, again, we've gone through, I think a lot of times, the career and personal arc of Javier Baez, um, you know, and just what he has gone through in his life and, and what he's he's playing for and stuff like that. So it's, you know, I think it's always just cool for him to be recognized on a league-wide level and, and earn an accomplishment like that. So uh, we are not uh, to the MVP voting yet. That'll be this week. It's um, going to be Yelich. It'll, it'll be probably Yelich. Probably yeah, close to unanimous. Too. Yeah, I would not, I would not yeah. um, get my hopes up too much for Javi winning that. I, you know, and look, I, I, I love Javi. We've argued a lot how important he was uh, to this Cubs team, uh, but I think the the case for Yelich is just is too strong. It's just too strong, um, and unfortunately for all of us, as we all know, it was punctuated by him, you know, quite literally carrying the Milwaukee Brewers to overtaking that division at the end of yep. September. So I think even if it was a dead heat, I, I think that that almost certainly pushes it over, and I don't really think it was a dead heat before that, but. Again, still he'll 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 be you know when they're presenting those awards and and going through the conversation, um, he'll be a part of that conversation. He'll be honored in that sense that he is a finalist and he will be um, discussed in 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 the top three, which I think is uh, really exciting for him and a well deserved accolade. And you know certainly following his career from from prospect to now is uh, quite something to be able to see him you know in that final stage of the MVP voting. But yeah, Brendan, I mean, the the thing I really couldn't get over, and it was weird to me too, because I was watching these mostly just because I was uh, on the uh, Cubs Insider Twitter account, uh, Real Cubs Insider is the handle, just to be prepared, you know, to tweet anything out if if a Cub had won or even if they had lost. And, you know, normally I, I don't really care about these awards. If John Lester was up for something, I'd probably care on a more visceral level. But I like audibly yelled when they said Marcakis. I was just like, what? <laughs> Come on. Like, I don't, I don't, I, you know, Jason Hayward has, um, a full hand, right. Worth of gold gloves. He, he's, he's basically run out of places to put them on his body, but come on, Nick. Marquez, I don't know. What, I don't know. What I mean, come there. on. I don't know what happened there. Uh, I, I know Hayward did not have his best defensive year in right field, but Come on, look look at Marcakis's numbers. I don't know what they're looking at, um, but so be it. I, I think if Jason comes back next year and he plays ten more games, he would have won the Gold Glove. I, yeah, I don't think that Jason Hayward is necessarily too concerned about the you know winning his sixth or seventh or eighth Gold or Glove or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah he'll uh, he'll probably add a few more to that collection because he really is, I think, pretty objectively the best right fielder in the National League. So. I think that, uh, Brendan, is about all that we have. Um, again, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated uh, with any scheduling notes. I, I think, uh, you know, perhaps for now, maybe closer to this uh, just once a week, Monday mornings kind of thing, um, you know, just because, again, there, there's really not going on really in the entire world of baseball. We really have not seen things really kick into gear yet and but believe it or not we're only if you look at the calendar here some of the guys will report in less than three months so it's actually that is kind of a far away away here but uh regardless it seems less daunting than it did seven weeks ago when the cubs were eliminated yeah for sure but you know i think there's only so many hours uh you guys can listen to us talk about whether or not the cubs are actually going to spend money or stay on the luxury tax because uh, we don't know and I don't think we're going to know until they either do or don't so um, we'll you know we'll, we'll keep you guys updated um, if we you know move that schedule around uh, I suppose the easiest way to know when the podcast is out is to subscribe on iTunes or any of these uh, other apps Spotify TuneIn Stitcher etc uh, you can also subscribe on Spreaker, which is the main host that replaced the Blog Talk radio feed, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. As always, you can find Brendan at Cubs Related on Twitter. That is the same handle on Instagram, though you will be speaking to me 
on there. And at CF Cubs related is me on Twitter. The Cubs Insider handle is at Real Cubs Insider. So that pretty much covers the bases of where you guys can find us and how to contact us. Uh, again, as always, we will jump on should anything of note happen. Uh, the Cubs sign someone, changes in the coaching staff. If Javi does somehow win the MVP this week, uh, we will be back to talk with you as imminently as we can. But otherwise, uh, at least for now, until things really kick up, uh, I would say, you know, just keep an eye out on those Monday mornings unless there is uh, some super pressing business that we need to break down for you. Uh, But other than that, as always, we thank you guys for listening. We continue to see those iTunes reviews uh, rolling in. And again, we always appreciate you guys taking uh, the time out of your day to give us those five stars, leave a little feedback as to why you like the podcast. It does help us gain a little, little visibility, and we certainly appreciate that. So with that, I think we will leave you there. We thank you guys for listening as always. And whether they are playing or not, go Cubs.